This Thursday is Thanksgiving, and that means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. I think for a lot of people, it just means family and food and football and fun and long, I don't have an F for it, but long naps on the couch as we spend time together with people that we love. Regardless of your tradition, one of the great things that comes out of this week is grateful hearts bowing down in thankfulness to the giver of all that is good. And we need those moments, those moments when we slow down and remember why it is we have to give thanks to our God. Thankfulness is woven through Scripture. Over 150 references in Scripture point us to the idea of thanksgiving. It's heavy in the Psalms, like Psalm 107 and verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Or, of course, the 100th Psalm seems to be the anthem of thanksgiving, where he says that we are to enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. And Ricky kind of challenged us with something that Paul would say both in Philippians through rejoicing, but he would say it similarly in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 with thanksgiving, that in everything we are to give thanks. In everything and every season, give thanks. Be a people known for your thanksgiving. Now, there's two components of thankfulness or the giving of thanks. In one sense, it's what it does towards others. I'm recognizing that you have done something to me or for me or you mean something to me and so I'm going to acknowledge that in a way that I express it to you but there's also a component of what it does for us that I am recognizing something good in my life I'm recognizing a blessing I'm recognizing a service and that recognition does something to our hearts that I believe is powerful in our walk with King Jesus and that's what I want us to see in Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, there's a greater section of what's going on here. Let's read the text and make some observations together. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. There must not be no filthy, filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be takers, partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Instead, even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. 
and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Just a couple observations with your eyes on the text there. Did you notice how the text seems to move along as a threaded thought? Verse 1, therefore. Verse 7, therefore. Verse 15, therefore. He's just connecting these tissues of thoughts. And there's a lot of things he tells them in this section to avoid. Verse 3 and verse 4. Verse 6 and verse 7. Verse 17 and verse 18. He comes back to it. There are certain things that people of God are just not to have in their lives. They're to keep away from it. There seems to be an echoing of how we began the chapter and how we ended our section there in verses 17, 18, and 19. Uh, but a people who imitate God in verse 1, but a people who in 18 are filled with the Spirit. Of a people who are walking in love, but in the end who are subject to one another. Of a people who are imitating that Christ offering fragrant aroma to the Lord. And in the end, the people who, in verse 19, are not speaking evil and guile, but are speaking the praises to the Lord in Psalm. And in two times, in verse 4 and in verse 20, he mentions the giving of thanks. Now, here's what's going on. Let's get the background to the story. This is all going back to chapter 4 because verse 1 of chapter 5 is therefore. It's there for a reason. It connects us to things Paul has said before. And chapter 4, Paul started a thought, and here's the thought. You gave your life to Jesus. You obeyed that gospel. And because you obeyed that gospel, you're not to walk the way you used to walk. That's chapter 4 and verse 17. You're not to walk the ways the Gentiles walked. In fact, he describes it in chapter 4 and verse 23 and 24. You're a new man. You're a new man in Christ, and that new man is shown in a new way of living. And so in one way, what he talks about is in becoming more like Jesus, there's things we've got to put on in our life, some attitudes, some behavior, some choices that we need to start making our own. But also in becoming like Jesus, there's some things we got to get rid of in our lives. There's some habits and some choices and some friendships and some ways that used to be the way we used to live, and we can't have those in our lives anymore. And so he talks in chapter 4 about the people of God becoming like Jesus tell the truth, always. And they work for what they want. They don't steal. And they're in control. They're in control of their anger. They don't have outbursting anger. And they're in control of their tongue. They don't speak evil words. In fact, chapter 4, 29 says we were speaking good words and wholesome words. And he ends by saying that the people, in the end of chapter 4, the people of God who are becoming more like Jesus, they have a Christ-like heart. And so those who hurt them and wound them, these people respond with mercy because that's what our God has done for us. Well, this takes us to where we are. Chapter 5, I just wanted to get us to great big context because there's a reason this is here. In chapter 5, Paul is continuing what he, what he began about this long thread of thought of you and I becoming more like Jesus. That's what we're doing. We want to be more like him. And so in becoming more like Jesus, there's some things we need to learn to put into our lives to be more like him. But he started chapter 5 with that list of things we got to continue to avoid. There are some things specifically he mentions here that saints he mentions Christians, those saved by God, are not to have in our lives. He mentions three. He mentions here immorality or impurity. Same sort of idea with this concept. The ESV says sexual immorality. The New King James mentions fornication. It is the lust, the desires, and the sin of the flesh. He mentions greed or covetousness. I want what you have. I want it so bad. I don't want you to have it either. And then he mentions filthiness, silly talk, coarse jesting, other versions will say crude joking or vulgar jokes. It's using your language in a deep, dark, filthy way. In fact, I like one author just summarized it this way. It's dirty minds expressing dirty thoughts and dirty conversations. That's essentially what he's talking about. Avoid, avoid this filthy way of life. In fact, 
Did you notice how he said to avoid it or maybe to say it this way, why? Did you hear the language? Can you just kind of see that again? Because in verse four, he says, these are not fitting for the people of God. Have you ever seen someone trying to fit something in a car that won't fit? They go to Ikea and they say, it'll fit. And then they get the box out there and they're trying every angle to cram this huge box into a small sedan and everyone can see that's not gonna make it. But they're trying every way to fit it in. And there are some people who look at the ways of the world and they try every angle of looking at the word of God to see how can I fit this into my life and still be heaven bound. And Paul says, they won't fit. This doesn't fit in the life of God's people. There's no room in the heart of those who are following after Christ for these kind of ways. In verse five, he says that those who want to follow these things, these are the things that will keep them from heaven. And verse six, these are the things that will bring about the wrath of God. And verse seven, these are the things not only must you avoid, which he says again in verse 12 or verse 11, do not participate in them. And verse 12, he says, don't even talk about them. These are things that shouldn't even be joked about, hinted about. They shouldn't make table conversation for the people of God, considering how bad they are. Now, here's where we get to where this all comes together. Our glue, our stick for today, and our thought which hopefully will thread with us the rest of this week. Did you notice in the end of verse four, when he's going through these things on the board, these things uh, above, that in the end he says not to be engaged in filthiness, silly talk, of course, jesting, but rather he says the giving of thanks. Isn't that fascinating? How, how do we avoid these sins up on the board? How, how do we keep away from these very dangerous influences and ways of the world by giving of thanks? That giving of thanks is not just paired with the course jesting. That giving of thanks is the answer for all of that above on the board. Thankfulness is the way that you and I can keep from getting ourselves in the path away from God. Just, just think for a minute about that with me. He started with immorality and impurity. Rather than dwelling on immoral or impure thoughts, give thanks. Think about that. Give thanks to God for passion which God wove into this existence and the expression of passion, that we get hungry and with hunger, there comes food, the meeting out of that passion and how good that is. We're going to Lord willing, enjoy that this week. Thirst and the quenching of that thirst with something to drink and even the passions of the body and the way that God has given to us through marriage. Can you imagine instead of lusting, instead of desiring someone else, if instead we chose to give thanks for the one whom God has given to us, to be so thankful for our mates and our spouses, so thankful for the one who loves us more than anyone else, so thankful for the one who has promised to love us the rest of our life, in better or worse, in good times or in bad. I mean, there, there's some people who walk around, as Peter described, with eyes full of adultery, but you notice they never stop ceasing. They seduce the unstable. They're experts in greed. They are in a cursed brood. It's people who everywhere they look, they're just looking with lustful intent. And the reality is, this is not just those who aren't married. There are some people who are married. They have the rings on their fingers, and yet everywhere they look, they're looking for opportunities to, to fulfill their desires and their greed for lust and of the flesh. And yet, and yet Solomon says, what about what you have at home? What about the one who's promised their life to you, their heart to you, including their body to you? Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Be exhilarated always with her love, he would say. I don't need to go looking to the banquets 
go driving by the fast food corners when I have a table full of food at home. And that's not just during a season of the youth. The wise man would say in Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 9, enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and your toil at which you toil under the sun. Imagine, imagine. And maybe I need to wrestle with this today. The days and the times I'm tempted with this sin, this particular sin of the flesh, am I thankful to God for my spouse? Could it be in this moment I'm finding myself ungrateful for this beautiful person in my life who has promised himself to me? And the life's so special, and every moment, the expression of love that we have with one another, can you see how even something like that could be satisfied, could be conquered with a spirit of thanksgiving. Same thing with greed, right? Rather than having greed, be thankful, right? Instead of being filled with greed, man, I really, really wish I had more. I wish I had a bigger house, a newer car, more money. I wish I had what they had. Instead, we count our blessings and give thanks and realize that we may not have what other people have, but that as the psalmist has said, I've been young and now I'm old, and yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. I've not seen a one among us, good brethren, especially of our family here at Campbell Road, who's ever had to be on the side of the street begging for any of our necessities. Now, here's the issue. Counting our blessings is not to compare them with other people. I have this many, and you have that many. It's like that, that larger cousin, or the Harry Potter, the guy who's counting all of his presents in that one birthday, and he's throwing a fit because last year he only had 36 presents, and then this year he wants 37. That just makes your blood boil, doesn't it? When you see those, those are the characters you love to hate. That's not what counting your gifts is about. I want to compare what I have to you. I want to compare how blessed I am to other people in the world. Because the reality is there's always someone who is more than you and always someone who is less than you. Counting the blessings is not a, a way of taking inventory. It's what Paul would say. As for the rich in this present age, which is a way of saying this, Campbell Road, Church of Christ, you are charged then not to be haughty, or to set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. I mean, think about that. There are a lot of bigger houses than perhaps the one that you own, but you have a house, and that house is mine. I know every ding in my house because I put most of them in there. (laughs) I know how long the screech of the garage door is when I hit the button to open it and when I hit it to close it. I know every corner because in the middle of the night when there's a baby screaming, I've learned the hard way about where to turn and navigate in the dark, sometimes the hard way, because you know the ins and outs. But that's my home. That's my home. I can, I can waste a lot of life being ungrateful and wishing I had more, or maybe I can just stop and count my blessings and be thankful and enjoy what it is that God has given to me. Thankfulness completely erodes the spirit of greediness that I must have more and makes me appreciate on my knees what it is that God has given to me. And certainly that's even true with the giving of, uh, of thanks in terms of evil words, that coarse jesting, that crude talking. Thankfulness, give thanks. And once it's give thanks for truth. Did you notice when he talked about the fruit of light in verse nine, that the fruit of light consists of all that is true? I'm not gonna take the light in rumors. Oh, I love the rumors, the gossip, the hot news, the things that make the magazine. No, there's no, there's no value in those. It's filthy. Spreading behind someone's back to tear someone down. No, you, you give thanks for 
true words that you know were true, sound, full and full. You give thanks for harmony with relationships. That whether it's you and I as brothers and sisters in Christ or family in the flesh or neighbors who live next door to one another or we partner in work, as the psalmist would said, it's really good. How good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together in unity. You felt that before. You know when there's tension in the marriage or in a home or in the workplace, you go in and you can cut it with a knife. It is so thick. But you remember the times when it's peaceful and no one has anything to complain about and how good that feels? That we don't have to stir up any drama? That we just enjoy being in each other's company? That I can give thanks? Or perhaps compared to these words here in verse 4, what the proverb would say about when you hear good news from a foreign country. And we've had a lot of good news this past week of our new brothers and sisters who've obeyed the gospel and how rejuvenating that is. Or as he would say, gracious words are, are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the, to the soul and health to the body. Words that build, words that uplift, words that encourage, words that point out the good. Proverbs 1 verse 18, there's one who is whose rash words are like sword thrusts. And you know people like that. They swing their words like weapons trying to hurt anyone in their path. But there's some, the tongue of the wise, that brings healing. They know what they say in the moment, to calm the spirit, to uplift the soul, to heal the broken with those kind and gentle words. Do do you see the point? Do do you know what all three of those issues on the screen in verse three and four have in mind? What they have in common? They all focus on what it is a person doesn't have. The lust of the flesh is I'm desiring something I don't have in my mate. I want more than what it is I have. The greed, I want more, oftentimes material, than what I have. And even those words, it's oftentimes aimed at someone that they have something I don't have. And so I will sling, I will say, I will speak in a way to tear another down because I feel the way I do because I don't don't have what they have. You know how we have seen that through Scripture? I mean, do you remember David? How Nathan the prophet comes to David and he says, You are the man, thus says the Lord God of Israel. It is I who anointed you king over Israel. And it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. You hear what he's saying? You took another man's wife. What more did you not have? You had wives. You had a kingdom. You had riches. You had a house. And you still didn't have enough? I mean, do you remember Eve in the very beginning? Because here comes Satan, and she had literally the world. No neighbors, (laughs) her and Adam. And the serpent was more crafty than the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you should not eat of any of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you should not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Can you imagine? Satan comes to Eve saying, are you sure you can't eat that tree? And her response is, have you even tried papayas? Have you tasted the bananas? Have you even tried a Granny Smith apple yet? (laughs) You're tempting me with the one thing I can't have. Don't you see the garden of what I do? This is the point. Solomon makes it well. What the eyes see is better than what the soul desires. This too is futility and a striving after the wind. Have you heard the phrase, 
A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Sometimes we forget what we have. And we get in our minds, if only I could fulfill the desires of things that I, 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 I don't have before me. Riches, mansions, pleasures untold. And we've lost sight of what it is that we actually do have. We've, we're blinded to our blessings because we're consumed with our passions. And Ricky said it well this morning. An ungrateful heart is a slippery slope away from God. And that long list of sins that Paul would mention in Romans 1.21, he began by saying that they knew God, but they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And in a similar fashion in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in this long list of sins, right in the heart of it, he mentions how they are people who are ungrateful. And he ends in verse 5 by saying, avoid such people. One author said it this way, life without thankfulness is devoid of love and passion. Hope without thankfulness is lacking in fine perception. Faith without thankfulness lacks strength and fortitude. Every virtue divorced from thankfulness is maimed and limps along the spiritual road. When I lose that thankful spirit, I am on a fast track away from God. And what will take its place in my heart is nothing but amounts of evil, as we've seen in Ephesians 5. Lust, envy, greed, selfishness, pride, when I lose that grateful and thankful spirit. So can you see it here? One of the power of thankfulness is that a thankful heart guards us against sin. Because here's what a thankful heart does. Go back in Ephesians 5 and just notice how it began. This is how it began. Thankfulness is recognizing what I have and where it's from. Thankfulness and the hearts of the people of God are able to finish this. And I'd like for you today, we're going to do it here through Ephesians 5. But it would be an immense exercise for every one of us at some point to sit down and to finish the phrase, because of God, and then you finish. Did you see it here? Because of God, verse 1, we are his beloved children. We're adopted into his family. We wear his name. We will have a seat at his table. We belong and we're family. Because of God, in verse 2, he gave his son, his son whom he loved, his only precious son, and put him on a cross for our sins. Because of God, we are, in verse 2, greatly and deeply loved, more than anyone, more than any way. And because of God, in verse 3, we are not lost, we're not wondering, we are saints. We're the redeemed. We are people who are here, living heaven-bound, because of the work of God. Thankfulness sees the good. But the other reason thankfulness is so powerful is because when thankfulness sees the good... It sees God, right? When I see the good in my life, think, every good gift, every good thing, every blessing, what you're seeing are the fingerprints of God. Psalmist says, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. When I give thanks, I am making it clear to the world this all came from one place, and it's not for me. You just got a promotion. Yes, the Lord is good. 
You have beautiful children. The Lord is amazing at what he creates. Your family seems so blessed, and we are because the Lord is gracious. This is, a, this is a good church because the Lord has been good to us. You have some of the finest shepherds I've ever seen in this country because the Lord has blessed them tremendously. Every good gift, every good thing, when we give thanks, we're pointing back to him. So thankfulness is not just seeing the good. Thankfulness is seeing the giver of the good. When we count our blessings, it's not to be enamored with our gifts. It's to be captivated with the giver of those gifts. Look at the God who gives. Now, here's our challenge. Because it may be another year before we have another Thanksgiving sermon. That's just the way these things go. We don't, we don't talk about thankfulness every week. Just like we don't talk about the birth of Jesus very often or the resurrection. There, there are certain times of the year that prompt us to talk about what's on our mind. And we, we know that. We know that to be true. But you know, as one author said, cultivate the thankful spirit. It will be to you a perpetual feast. Thankfulness is not a memorial out of our calendar year. It's a way of life. It's a way of thinking. It's a heart and a spirit that's set aside to see and to recognize the gifts and the giver from where they are from. I love the language from the Psalm, Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Some versions will say, forget none of his benefits. What's he saying? I want you to take a moment, and I want you to praise the Lord, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to be careful that you don't forget anything that you have came from him. So I want you to take an inventory of your life. I want you to think about the blessings you have in abundance, the spiritual, the physical, and every sense of a blessing, and I want you to pour it back to where it comes from. Do you remember the song we have that's based off of this? 10,000 Reasons is the name of that song. 10,000 Reasons for My Heart to Find, we sing. 10,000. Now, we did this exercise on Sunday, Ricky and Jody and I and the young adults, and we went around the room and we said, tell us something you were thankful for, and you cannot say your family, you cannot say your friends, and you cannot say uh, Ricky. You had to be thankful for something else. <laughs> 10,000 reasons. Imagine the list. I'm going to start today and see how long my pen will last and my strength can hold to give thanks to the Lord because I don't want to forget one of the blessings he's given to me because he gave us today. He gave us a beautiful day and the sun rose and it was a beautiful scene driving here this morning. He gave us us. He gave us our brethren. So imperfect in many ways and yet what a beautiful family we have and what a precious morning. There's not been a fight among us but there's been a lot of smiles and comfort and we have sung praises together and we're better because we've been here. He gave us our families, whom we love most dear. He gave us great times of great victory, but for some of us who are, who are here, and we may not have the reason why, he gave us hardships, and he gave us storms, which make us better and make us stronger. For the blessings great and small, we give thanks. One of them, my sister Chandler, asked this question. She said, well, what if you woke up today with only the things you thank God for yesterday? <laughs> I thought on this all week long because <laughs> I thought I need to say a lot today because there's a lot I want tomorrow. <laughs> I 
I want to have air conditioning or heat, heat this time of year, and indoor plumbing, and food around the table. But I don't want that life, do you? I don't, I don't want a life that I go through and I don't stop and recognize and count and thank the blessings. And it's not that I count and say, these are good. You see these and you say, you, you are so good. You were so good to someone so undeserving. All those things, good brethren, that Satan clogs and fills our heart with could be solved in a moment if we just would stop and give thanks. For every storm, give thanks. For every pain, give thanks. For every good and precious moment, give thanks. And as we've come today, and we have done, we've given thanks. Given thanks to our God through his indescribable gift. The gift of the Son, the gift of the Savior. And that's a gift that you can have today. If you are here and you have not given your life to Jesus, this precious gift of eternal life, of forgiveness, can be yours. If you are willing to confess Jesus as your Lord and to turn from sin and to be baptized in the waters we have behind us, you can leave today. The owner of this gift, the recipient of this amazing grace and one who's living heaven bound. But for the family here who are marching forth in a busy week, Lord willing, with a lot before us, the scripture compels us to slow down, to recognize the good and in recognizing the good, to pour forth praise and thanksgiving to our God. Count your blessings and give glory to the King. If we can help you in any way today, we'd love to do so. If we can help you, come forward right down here as we stand and as we sing. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.